Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Let's stand together. We'll sing that hymn at the cross. Aren't you glad for what Jesus did for us? Let's praise him together as we sing. He bled for us. He died for us. But most importantly, he rose again for us, and he rules and reigns for us. And praise the Lord. We'll get to do that one day with him as well.
Father, oh, thank you for the cross. Without the cross, we're nothing, lost and without a hope. But we have hope in Jesus Christ. And we know, God, those of us who know Christ, we know we are yours. And then no matter how crazy this world gets, we're secure in you. We have a future in heaven Oh, how wonderful the cross is. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Now, indeed, we should be happy all the day. What matters is taken care of. Things of this world, they'll pass away. That'll be gone. I'm secure in Jesus. Every reason to be happy. God, thank you. Thank you. Lord, bless this service. We want it to be a sweet savor unto you. We want to bring glory and honor to you and to our Lord Jesus Christ. We love you, God, and we thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I welcome anybody who's here for the first time. We're so glad to have you here. We believe God brought you here for a reason. Or if you're watching online for the first time, God led you to us, and he has something for you. Uh, so make sure you listen and hear, not from me, but from God. If you are here for the first time, you should have received one of our welcome packets. If you did not, there's a connection card right in front of you in the pew. If you're watching online, just go to our website, click on I'm new here. There's an online version. If you fill out that card, first of all, we want to pray for you. And the first thing it asks, well, first thing is the date, January 14th, and then my prayer request. We want to pray for you. Every card that gets turned in online or in person, we pray for you. That's very important. Everybody needs prayer. So please let us know how we can pray for you. If you say, wait, I'm not here for the first time, but I have a, a prayer request. Take that card, fill it out. We'll pray for you as well. Uh, that's whether you've been here uh, a month or uh, 50 years, we will pray for you. And if you will give us your email address, we have a free gift we would like to send to you. We can only do it by email. So please give us your email address. We're not going to sell it, but we do have a gift that will get out to you today that I believe you, you will really enjoy. And we are so glad to have you here. You are our guest today, and you are very welcome. Thank you for being here. Well, we're always blessed when we have missionaries come. 
Uh, Brother Mike Drust has been uh, supported by our church for longer than I can remember. I shouldn't say longer than I can remember because the church supported him before I got here. And, and I'm at 13 years this month, so it's been a while. Uh, he's doing a wonderful work in Albania, but he's branched out and do, involved in works literally all over the world. And uh, I thank God for him. He's a wonderful guy. He's going to come now and, and share with us, give us an update of what's going on in Albania and throughout the world. Give him God bless you. All right, we're in business. Amen. Mission Control got me all settled up there. All right, are you glad to be here today? It's always good to be in God's house. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is about being in America, but I turn my clapper off. I don't know why I do that, but I enjoyed the clapping this morning. But uh, because in our churches in Albania, we clap. I mean, we clap and we praise the Lord and we raise our hands and people get excited. And now we're not Pentecostal, but we, we do get excited. We're excited Baptists. And uh, so there's nothing wrong with that. And, uh, but I don't know what it is about me when I hit America shores because most churches, they don't clap. And in fact, if you say an amen pretty loud in your church, they may look at you like, you know, you need to head out that door. You know, you're, you're an enemy or something. But, uh, but anyway, it's good to be here. And thank you so much. I want to I start by saying thank you for continuing to partner with our ministry, Regents Beyond Albania. Yes, I used to be a missionary just in Albania as a church planner. We did that for a number of years. And uh, we have since then, God has blessed our ministry and branched into a number of areas where we are training and sending national uh, Albanians, national Lat Latin Americans, and, uh, and will soon be, uh, be watching for our prayer letters. But over the coming year, we will be working very hard in getting our East Africa, Ethiopia location for the Go Mission Institute, training Ethiopians to serve as missionaries to the Muslim world. So we're really excited about that. So we want to thank you for that. We, none of this would be possible without your help. Um, I, now, I do have a display just out the back there, out the back door, the center door there to the to uh, to my left, and I have prayer cards available. I don't have a full display there. I've just got my sh my small display. But stop by there and see me. Ask me questions if you have any. Uh, I want to encourage you to do that, and so pick up a prayer card. Uh, and then I want to share a verse with you. It's in First Thessalonians uh, chapter. Uh, chapter 5 and verse number 24. Now listen to this very carefully because this is exciting. Okay, faithful is he that calleth you who, what? Who also will do it, right? Who also will do it. So when God calls us to do something, regardless if it's a missionary going uh, uh, 6,000 miles away to serve on a mission field, or if it's this mission field right here in Upper Marlboro, when God calls you to do something, then he will do it. Amen? It's not in our strength. It's not what we can do, because if somebody would have told me even 10, uh, 10 or 12 years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing now, I would have said, you're crazy. Even though it was 
in my heart to do it. Uh, and we were in the beginning stages of I had no idea that we would be doing what we're doing now. And we're so excited uh, about the fact that we're not only reaching Albanians, but we're reaching many Muslims throughout the Middle East and Eastern Europe. And we're very excited about what God is doing. Now, I want to share a couple of projects with you. Let me pull up this up on my phone here. Uh, this is a project that we are partnering with the Wallace Legacy Foundation, my good friend, uh, Dr. Mike Van Horn, uh, and we are launching a, a, um, a, a uh, online program called In Eternity, A Long Time to Be Wrong. Now, for our part of the ministry, we've entitled it, uh, uh, we've entitled it, let's see, let me get back to my title, because this is all very new for us, Know the Truth Project, and it goes underneath our ministry called the Advancing the Gospel Project. We're very excited about the fact that we will be uh, uh, setting up a website and using uh, translators. Uh, we will be doing using some AI as well uh, to translate 155 different languages all across the world to have a gospel presentation online through Bible programs, through radio broadcasts through the QR code, through the micro SD card, and a number of other ways that they can uh, achieve this information. And we're already seeing results just in the test pilot of this. We've are, we're already seeing people get saved. Uh, and so we're really excited about it. We're going to be talking more about that in our prayer letters. Uh, we also have another project called uh, Hope for Ukraine. Hope for Ukraine. As you know, and you have helped us with this, uh, we started out right after the war began in Ukraine, when Russia invaded Ukraine, uh, we, we were there a f only a few months later, uh, not only with, uh, you know, uh, humanitarian goods, medical uh, needs for medical uh, uh, things, but we were also there primarily with the gospel message, amen, getting the gospel to the thousands already we've reached, uh, we are estimating somewhere around 100,000 refugees uh, with the gospel message. Uh, we have a QR code. Uh, we're working with several missionaries there on the ground. My partnering missionary there is missionary Jim Pranger out of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, he's doing a fantastic work there. And uh, so I'm looking forward to taking my seventh trip there this coming March. We're taking some people with us. We have another trip we're planning in July, if you'd be interested in going with us, uh, get in contact with me as soon as possible, and we'd be happy to take you along and say, well, I don't want to go to a war-torn country. Well, the area that we go into is western Ukraine, uh, and we can talk more about that, but it's in western Ukraine, which is the, um, which is the non-war zone, okay? It's an area that's protected for the refugees. Um, it is also the area of the country that borders all the nations. NATO and EU countries, okay? So Russia's not going to touch any of that area. So we've gone as far as 75 kilometers in, into the interior of the country. I have also gone farther into the area, of, uh, into the interior of the country in some of the war-torn areas, but we do not take people that we take on our trips to war-torn areas. You're safe, you're protected, and if you're not, we get you out in a hurry. We're well-connected there with the Ukrainian military. Uh, we've even been told by one of the commanders that if we ever got ourselves into a jam, give him a call, and he'd send in a military a military helicopter to fly us out of there. So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good deal. So uh, so I've, what I've done today is I've, I've put together um, kind of a, 
uh, a sectional presentation that will talk about what we're doing uh, in Albania, what we're doing with the Go Mission Institute, uh, and also our ministry in uh, Kurdistan, northern Iraq. I had to pick one ministry, one or two. It's all I had room for on the video. So we've got a, a feature presentation about our work in northern Iraq, in Kurdistan, and also the work that's going on in Ukraine. Uh, it has a little bit of footage from uh, at the beginning of the war, some of the things that happened. And by the way, things are still happening there, okay? Places are still getting bombed. People are still getting killed. You just don't hear about it in the media very much anymore. And so this is the same thing that's going on in Israel. You don't hear much about it in the media. Uh, and I have, I just wrote an, a, a, a piece in my prayer letter called Out of Sight, Out of Mind. How soon we forget when it's not before us in the news media. And the thing about it is it's still happening and people still need to be reached with the gospel in those areas. And so pray for our ministry and thank you again so much for allowing us uh, the, the opportunity to serve as your missionaries to Albania and the regions beyond. Now we'll go into the video. Greetings from the capital city of Tirana, Albania. I'm standing here on the rooftop of our ministry training center. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of see uh, the, the city that God has allowed us to live in and minister in over the last 20 years. The churches that we've been able to plant and the ministry training center, training nationals and sending them to Muslim countries, uh, none of this would be possible without the faithful partnership. On behalf of our family and our ministry, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the years of financial support, the years of prayer support. Um, none of this would be possible with, without that. We're excited about new ventures in our ministry. For example, we have just launched um, uh, the new ministry platform in the country of Ethiopia. We now have an in-country an in director. In fact, we just sent Mark and his, his wife there just the other day. Uh, we're excited about what God's going to do there in the training of uh, Ethiopian nationals to reach Muslim countries, uh, not only around the world, but specifically on the African subcontinent. So uh, our prayers are much needed and appreciated. Uh, with regard to that, our uh, Latino ministry in Central America, God has raised up dozens and dozens of uh, Latino nationals. Uh, we're thankful that we have just finished with phase two of their training and they will be going back raising their support and then we will be sending them uh, to their prospective uh, places and countries where God has called them to go. We'd appreciate your prayers on their behalf. And then of course, we're always in the development of Albanian nationals as well as our church plants in the country of Albania, two church planting teams now in the country of Macedonia. We pray that God will richly bless you as you continue to serve him. Thank you so much and goodbye from Albania. They cannot see you. cannot see you.
Albanians are uniquely uh, gifted to rich people in the Middle East because they have same life, they share the same life, and also uh, they have the same culture and same religion. The desire in my heart to go and to share the gospel to the ones that have never heard. Yes, God can do everything and He can save people, but He wants to use us and He wants us to say yes to His call. We need to take the gospel to these people groups because they need the hope of Jesus Christ. They need the love of Christ in their hearts and they need to understand why and how they can have a Savior that will save them from the corruption of this world. So go tell them Every people, language, tribe, and tongue. So go tell them. Every people, language, tribe, and tongue. It's about 100,000 John and Romans there, uh, but we're going to be loading up many of those boxes, as many as we can get on the van. We'll load up the Bibles and the tracks, and then we'll load up all of the humanitarian goods, the food and, and, and medical we'll be taken along with us uh, to take to the refugee camps there. Okay, so we've just arrived in a um, city. We're farther into the interior of the country here. And we arrived here in this town and we're going to a store to pick up supplies. But there's been air raids. Uh, they've closed the stores. 
So we don't know what that situation is as far as we know we're safe. We have had opportunities to be able to share the gospel and pass out John and Romans in various different ways. Okay, so we're back in our favorite park here in Berkova, Ukraine, and we're holding a evangelistic service here and started to sing near the cross and some folks came over and started singing with us and so it's kind of exciting uh, that actually knew the words uh, so we've got some believers here and of course plenty of unsaved people A little update here on what God did tonight down at the park. We got there and just started singing. I sent out uh, gospel literature, John and Romans. And God just brought the people over. We were able to see a number of young people accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Well, I just uh, wanted to share that with you. And uh, this is our last night here in the Ukraine. We will be heading back to Budapest. Okay, so we've arrived here clear over on the other side of the city of Budapest at a refugee center hotel that's being provided for Ukrainian refugees. And uh, so we were out today a little bit earlier shopping and uh, buying uh, um, some much-needed food for these dear folks. There's about 17 families here. Uh, so it's a joy to be able to, to, to help them a little bit with their, with their physical needs, with their needs, with their humanitarian needs. And, but here in just a few minutes, we're going to have a service and we'll have an opportunity to be able to share of the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's all over the world. Our missionaries need prayer. They need support. That's your missions dollars at work. Give to missions. Pray for our missionaries. I think about those, the bomb that went off. Wow. We're so blessed here. Other people all over the world don't have what we have. They don't have the security we have. We need to be praying for people and helping every chance we get. Well, this time we'll have our video announcements. We all know how important prayer is, and we have a great opportunity for a bunch of men to get together and learn how to pray and pray for our church, our country, our families at the Men's Prayer Advance. This year, it's gonna be in Roanoke, Virginia on January 25th through the 27th. And you can go to your newsletter and sign up. 
We already have a great group of guys going, but we want even more. So go to the newsletter and sign up today for the Men's Prayer Advance. It's gonna be an event like no other. Church, we need each and every one of you to clear your calendar this Saturday from 9 to 3 p.m. We're gonna be working side by side together to make this church look beautiful. We need each and every one of you to come. We have jobs for everybody and we'll be providing lunch. So we'll see you there. Our missionaries of the week are Nick and Lorena Zarella serving in Japan. They are still fairly new to Japan and are still learning the language, but they are working alongside veteran missionaries and God is using them wonderfully. Please pray this week for the Zarellas and for Japan.
He is, isn't he? Let's stand together. We'll continue singing. Jesus, we crown you with praise. Won't it be amazing to do that in person one day, seeing our Savior face to face? Think about it. On that first song this morning, I know we have a lot on our hearts and minds, but sometimes what's in our mind prevents us from giving glory and praise to God properly. Think about this song as we praise him together and what Jesus did for you. The first time you came, they crowned you with thorns as on an old rocket cross you were laid. But the next time you come, it won't be as before, for this time. With her. 
invite accepting Christ as your personal Savior. He is the light of the world. Thank you for your singing this morning. Please be seated. Well, before the message, we'll take a few minutes to pray. If you'd like to come to the altar at this time, we invite you to do so. I do want to quickly mention the prayer advance. Men, we want you to go. It is awesome. Pastor Chuck and I went two years ago. It was so good. We said, how can we get the men of our church to come? So we cover the cost of transportation, your hotel, most of your food, and it's awesome. We had a good group go last year. All you have to pay for, you have to go online and register. It's $129, and then you have to pay for your food. We'll stop somewhere, Chick-fil-A or someplace on the way there and the way back. It's Thursday. We leave Thursday morning, come back Saturday afternoon. You will be blessed. It's a great time, so come with us. If you have any questions, see me or Pastor Chuck. Well, let's pray. Father, I do pray that you'd give us a number of men to go to the prayer advance. Prayer is so important. The days are short. We don't have much time left. And the most powerful weapon we have is prayer. Oh, as the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. So, God, we pray that you'd bless and increase the number of men that are going and use us to stand in prayer in a very, very dark and evil day. God, we lift up, we continue to lift up Muriel. She recovers from COVID. She's getting better, and we praise you for that. Uh, Dale Williams uh, had cancer surgery. Now he's going into chemo. We continue to lift up Rebecca Morgan, T. Smith, John O'Neill, my wife, Terry, Harry Mosby, and Ken Harriet. Bless these people, God. Give them full and complete recoveries. And God, we do lift up uh, Ukraine and the war that's going on there and the war in Israel. People being bombed and killed. Oh, I cannot even imagine living in conditions like that. God used this to bring people to Christ. We thank you the the report we heard of uh, reaching into Ukraine and up into Iraq, of the work that Brother Trust is doing, all I can think is, God, how can we help him? He's getting the gospel to the world. Use us to be a part of it and to help any way we can. God, your word tells us, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We don't have much time. We need to truly redeem the time. We want to be used of you to get the gospel to the world in the time that we have left. And now, Lord, as we look to your word this morning, give me the words you want me to say. Uh, you laid this message on my heart this week in prayer. So, God, use it. I pray that everyone here would just put aside the cares of this world and listen and hear not from me, but from you. It's a very, very important thought here. God, Use it to challenge us, to bless us. And anyone that's here today who does not know Jesus Christ personally, oh, God, draw them to yourself. Bring them to Jesus today. We love you, God, and we thank you for all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to the book of Acts. We'll continue our, our study there. We were, we were there before the holidays. It's been some weeks ago now. Well, I want to ask you, what motivates you in life? Why do you do what you do? Why? What is the motivating factor 
behind everything you do. Do you have a clear purpose in life or are you just floating along? You don't know where you're going or you don't know how you got where you are. Uh, You're just going through life and it's passing you by in many ways. Paul had clear purpose. And I want to look today at the heart of Paul. It should be a challenge to all of us. In Acts chapter 20, now we've been going verse by verse through the book of Acts for, uh, I don't even know how long now, more than a year. Uh, But as we come to Acts chapter 20, we pick up in verse 1, it says, And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. Now, it says after the uproar, and you probably don't remember in Acts chapter 19 because it was sometime back in November we looked at that. It's in the city of Ephesus where everybody gathered together. They were shouting, great is Diana of the Ephesians, their false god, and had the whole city in an uproar. Uh, Paul was protected from it. God protected him over and over again. And now after that, it says then that Paul called the disciples, embraced them, and he left, and he goes to Macedonia. And it's easy to look at that verse and think, well, that's it. That's, you know, there's not really a lot in that verse. Well, in Macedonia, Paul wrote the letter to the, of 2 Corinthians. So we have the book of 2 Corinthians from Paul's trip to Macedonia. We get to verse 2, it says, And when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation, he came into Greece. And there abode three months, and when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia. So he leaves Macedonia, goes to Greece, he's going to go back to Macedonia. Three months in Greece, the city of Corinth, and he does something very significant while he's there that Luke doesn't mention here. But while he was there, he wrote the book of Romans, great book. He also most likely, depends on the commentator you read, they're not, historians aren't exactly sure, but he probably also wrote Galatians. So in these three verses, we seemingly just have Paul moving about a little bit. Okay, he went here, he went there, so what? 2 Corinthians, Romans, and Galatians, that's a lot. Paul was being greatly used of God. Now his time is running out. And Paul knows it. He's coming toward the end of his ministry. And he's he's doing a lot of things as he comes towards the end and writing some some great books, Romans, Galatians, powerful. Romans has been called the Magna Carta of our faith. Such a great, great book. So we get to uh, verse 4. It says, And they're accompanying him into Asia, Asia, Sopater of Berea and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Segundus and Gaius of Derby and Timotheus and of Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. These going before tarried for us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. So we see this big group of guys together. Now, remember, When he was going to Corinth, when he wrote 2 Corinthians, he told them, 
I'm coming, I'm going to collect your offering for the saints in Jerusalem who were going through great persecution and, and famine and different things. They had great trials. So various churches had taken up a collection for the saints in Jerusalem. Paul told the Corinthians, when I come, I'm going to get it and take it back. So he's got, uh, uh, maybe all these guys are like the armed guards. I don't know. He had a big group with him as he heads toward Jerusalem. And you do notice, I, I mentioned before, in the book of Acts, when it says they, sometimes it says they, sometimes it says we. Whenever it says we, it means Luke was with them. So we see Luke joined the group again. Not sure where he's been, but Luke meets back up them because he starts saying us and we. Uh, they tarried for us at Troas and we sailed away uh, from Philippi. That's interesting to me. Sometimes it gets very specific. Took five days to travel. We spent seven days there. And other times it's just three months in Greece, and we don't get any, Luke doesn't record anything about those three months. We know from elsewhere, uh, Paul writing the great books. So we then see in verse 7, and I'm, I'm moving a little quickly through these beginning verses because I, I, the heart of my message is in verse 18, but I don't want to just skip over these either. So in verse 7, it says, and upon the first day of the week, that is extremely significant. The first day of the week. You know what today is. The first day of the week. This is Sunday. This is not the Sabbath. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Uh, years ago, I, when I was a young Christian, I remember in Fort Lauderdale on the radio, I don't remember the organization, but they would regularly get on and say, we will give $10,000 to anyone who can show from the Bible where the Sabbath was changed. The Sabbath wasn't changed. I was, you know, I, back then I'm trying to figure out how, how can I get that $10,000, you know. <laughs> I'm a young man, I want that $10,000. Well, they knew it's not in the Bible that the Sabbath was changed. It wasn't changed. But you know what question they should have asked? I didn't know then, I know now. Where in the Bible does it tell a Christian to keep the Sabbath? It's not there. We're here on the Lord's Day. When did the early church meet? The first day of the week. This is not the Sabbath. This is the Lord's day. The Sabbath was for Israel. Of the Ten Commandments, there's only one that is not repeated anywhere in the New Testament. Honor the Sabbath day. It's not in the New Testament. The Jerusalem Council that we covered a few months back where they got together and said, do the Gentiles need to keep the law? And they prayed and they looked at the whole thing and they said, okay, four things they need to do. Don't eat blood, which actually goes before the law all the way back to Noah. God told Noah, don't eat blood. The life is in the blood. Do not eat the blood of an animal. So no blood. Don't eat meats offered to idols. Don't eat anything strangled and abstain from fornication. That's it. That's all God brought over from the law for us Gentiles. Praise God. <laughs> have you read the Old Testament? I don't want to keep all that stuff. And we don't have to. We're not expected to. God did not bring keeping the Sabbath over into the New Testament, the age of grace. You say, wait, well... You know, the, uh, oh, which commandment? the Eighth Commandment says, Thou shalt not steal. 
So stealing's allowed? No, Ephesians 4 tells us not to steal, okay? You can't get away with that. There are other places in the New Testament uh, that tell us some things beyond just those four, but keeping the Sabbath is not in there. So don't get every now and then, and why am I spending time here? Because every now and then, I deal with a Christian who gets caught up in, we're supposed to worship on Saturday. We should be in church on Saturday. In fact, during COVID, sadly, we lost one of our church members who got caught up in that and didn't tell me when it was starting, told me afterwards, no, pastor, I'm not coming back to church. I'm convinced now we're supposed to worship on Saturday and left. Wouldn't give me a chance. I can show you from the Bible. No, the early church did not get together on Saturday. They met on the Lord's Day, and that's what we're doing. You're doing well. You're here when you're supposed to be. Don't, don't get caught up in that. Listen, by the way, just an, an extra thought. If you start hearing something that's different, please come see me. I'm not, uh, not going to yell at you and say you're stupid or anything like that. That's, that's not me. That's not who I am. I will gladly sit down with you, and we'll look at it together from the Bible and if you come away and say, you know what, Pastor, I've heard what you said, but I still disagree. Okay, I love you anyway. But don't just get caught up and go talk to me. Let's look at it. There's a lot of false doctrine out there. In fact, we're going to see more of that next week at the, the tail end of this chapter. Paul warns about the false doctrine that's coming. But the Lord's Day is Sunday, and that's when we get together uh, to meet, to celebrate God on Sunday. Let's look nextly, next, nextly, I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, we'll continue with verse 7. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. You think I preach long. <laughs> I got 12 hours and 8 minutes to go. And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were together. Now, the lights are mentioned, and it's significant because they didn't have lights like this. They had, it would have been a physical light. Fire was involved in a lamp. Fire gives off heat. In other words, it got pretty warm. You know what happens when it's too warm in church? People fall asleep. And that's what happens here. Verse 9, and there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus, being fallen into a deep sleep. And as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep and fell down with the third loft and was taken up dead. If I preach too long and you fall asleep, you might die. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> we don't have a loft, so you're safe. <laughs> Verse 10, and Paul went down and fell on him and embracing him said, trouble not yourselves for his life is in him. When he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed. So then they went all the way till morning. Verse 12, and they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. I'm sure they were not a little comforted. That means they were a lot comforted. This guy was just raised from the dead right in front of them. Wow. Our God is so good. Well, we go on in verse 13. And we went before the ship and sailed into Assos, there attending to take in Paul, for so he had appointed, minding himself to go afoot. Uh, so what they did, the ship had to sail around a peninsula 
Paul said, I'm just going to walk straight across. Now, doesn't tell us why, but likely Paul just wanted to get alone with God. So he walked. It was about 20 miles that he walked. And, uh, but the ship had to sail much further around, so he just walked and met them on the other side. And I have no doubt he had a wonderful revival in prayer as he was walking along. Wouldn't you like to have been with Paul on that walk? So Paul walks over, verse, uh, where are we, 14. And when he met with us at Assos, we took him in and came to Mytilene, and we sailed thence and came the next day over against Chios, and the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried at Tregillium, and the next day we came to Miletus. For Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Paul wanted to get to Jerusalem, and we're going to see the rest of this chapter and the next chapter. Paul is heading toward Jerusalem. He goes by Ephesus. He said, I can't go there. I'm going to get caught up too long if I go there and see all the people. It's going to take too long. I've got to get to Jerusalem. He wanted to get there by Pentecost, which is, of course, 50 days after the Passover. So he's trying to get there, knows he doesn't have time, but notice what he does in uh, verse 17. And from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. So Paul said, I, I don't have time to go to Ephesus, but I need to see the elders. Remember, elder, pastor, bishop are synonymous terms in the New Testament. So he calls for the church leadership to come and see him so he can talk to them. He needs to meet with them, but he doesn't have time to go to Ephesus. He's going to get caught up too long. And we see in verses 18 through 27, the heart of Paul. Verse 18, when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I've been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Paul was faithful to preach the gospel everywhere he went. He said, you know what I've been like when I was with you. Uh, notice in verse 19, he said, with many tears. We need a passion for lost souls. 
We need to be burdened for lost souls. Paul's heart was broken. Uh, Notice verse 31, and we'll look more at that next week, Lord willing. He said, therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years, I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Too often, we can get caught up in, you know, I have a responsibility to share the gospel with everyone. And we share the gospel with someone, we give them a track, and they reject it. We say, well, my hands are clean. No blood on my hands. I did what I'm supposed to do. Now look, I want you to give the gospel to everybody. But don't stop there. You say, I can't do anything. The results are up to God. Yes, the results are up to God, but we can pray. We can pray. Just because someone rejects it, that doesn't mean we're done. I hope you don't quit on your family members who have rejected the gospel. Well, I told them, no blood on my hands. How much time do you spend in prayer? Have you wept? before the Lord for your lost family. The story is told of William Booth. He was the founder of the Salvation Army. Great man of God. Led many thousands of people to the Lord. And some of his his followers were in another city and they they telegrammed him and said, you know, we're, we're witnessing to people. We're sharing Christ. We're doing everything we know to do, but we're not seeing people saved. Now, thank God that bothered them. And William Booth sent back a two-word message. Try tears. Try tears. Our hearts need to be broken. We don't see more people saved because we're not brokenhearted over the reality that people are dying and going to hell. Listen, without Christ, people go to hell. I don't like that. How could a loving God send people to hell? Listen, don't sin in judgment of God. He's God, we're not. If people reject Jesus Christ, they go to hell. Well, I don't like that. Well, you know what? God doesn't like that. God doesn't like that so much, he gave his son to die for all of us. So no one has to go to hell. In fact, it's the dumbest thing a man can do is to go to hell. You could not do something more stupid than that. Well, they don't know any better. Yes, they do. God has given a witness in nature. Get up in the morning, watch the sun come up. It's glorious. Some of you you are going to say there's nothing glorious about that time of morning. Then watch the sunset. It's glorious too. Think, it just happened by accident. Evolution is responsible for all of this. It's utter nonsense. It's not science. I love science. That's not science. I don't hate science. I love it. If I couldn't be a preacher, I'd want to be a scientist. 
I don't know if I'd want to be, science has been corrupted by government. Listen, you know where scientists get their money? From government. Right? You don't pay a scientist, do you? You've never gone to a scientist and used his services. They get paid to do research by the government. And if they don't get the right answer, the government doesn't let them do more research. And that's the reality of the situation. That's true. Go into the average uh, state uh, public college or university and start teaching the Bible is the way we got here, not evolution, and you'll be out of a job. You're not giving the right answer. You could teach all the scientific reasons why evolution is wrong. You will get fired. There's many, many documented cases of that. So scientists who know evolution is not true have to shut up about it. Why? Because their employer, basically the government, won't allow it. Sorry, I really step on some toes, but global warming is along the same lines. Is some of it true? Maybe. I don't know. I just don't trust the scientists because I know who pays them. It's the truth. Listen, we just saw it with COVID. Now, I'm not an anti-vax, all this stuff. Don't, don't put me, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But it has just come out. They're pretty sure now that the virus actually came from the lab in Wuhan, which should come under the category of, duh. <laughs> but what was the official government response no, that's a conspiracy theory. It's absolutely not true. We know that that didn't happen. And that was a lie. And they have emails that proved it. The scientists knew that it came from the lab in China, but they didn't want to tell us. I don't know why, but they didn't want to tell us. So I, I don't trust scientists these days because, sadly, they're paid for by the government. I love science, but we can't trust them. There's not independent scientists out there. That's, the, that's a problem. I don't even know how I got there. <laughs> Evolution's a lie. I don't believe it. God made us. And he loves us. And he sent Jesus to die for us. And if you're not born again, you will never see the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. You have to be born again. And Paul spent his life preaching that, gave his life for the gospel. That's what mattered to him. Tears, crying, brokenhearted, wanting to see people saved. At verse 21, we see the gospel. It says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. I have had so many Christians tell me repentance is not part of the gospel. Then Paul didn't understand the gospel. When you get to heaven, then explain that to Paul because he didn't understand. Jesus said this gospel of repentance must be preached to the whole world. So I guess Jesus didn't understand the gospel either. Listen, repentance, the word literally means a change of mind, but too many people want to leave it right there. You just change your mind. No, it's a change of mind that results in a change of action. If you change your mind truly, you will change your actions. 
If you become convinced, and I'm going to say something, this is absurd, so nobody get worried about this. If you became convinced there was a bomb under your car and that when you turned the key it was going to blow up, you wouldn't get in the car and turn the key, would you? You would have repented. You had a change of mind. My car is wired to explode, which would result in a change of action. You said, well, I really believe my car is going to explode, and you get in and turn the key. No, you don't really believe it. Or you wouldn't do that unless you wanted to commit suicide. You wouldn't do it. People say, yeah, 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 I believe in Jesus, but there's no change in action. They don't believe. You see, sin and God are diametrically opposed to one another. If sin is this way, God is that way, and you cannot go toward sin and toward God at the same time. Without Christ, knowing or not, I grew up somewhat religious, but lost, I was going toward sin. When I finally understood that my good works were not going to get me to heaven, change of mind. This is not going to get me to heaven. I have to turn around and go toward God and go God's way. If there's never been a turnaround, repentance, turning from sin to God. If that's never happened, you might have prayed a prayer, but you didn't really get saved. You don't just add Jesus to your wicked lifestyle and think you're okay. Uh, yeah, I'm in sin, it's all good. Oh, I'm not going to heaven. Okay, I'll just add Jesus. No, repentance is necessary. And that's not does not mean, and I've been accused of that, well, that means you're saying you'll never sin again. I have never said that or thought that and certainly not done that. Yes, you're still going to sin, but you turn from being a slave of sin, which is what we are without Christ, to saying, you know what? I'm going toward God. I mess up sometimes. I do. More than you want to know. You'd say, how can he be our pastor? Uh, we're not going there. You're stuck with me until God moves me out. Yes, I still messed up. But Jesus Christ is my Lord. And I'm going toward him. Imperfectly, stumbling, falling, tripping, and sometimes he's dragging me, dragging me, screaming and kicking on the way. Because I'm messed up. And yet he loves me. Turn from your sin and turn to God. You'll never regret it. Repentance and faith toward Jesus Christ. That's what is necessary. Paul in verse 26 says, um, I am pure from the blood of all men. How many can say that? I don't know anyone that can say that. I'm guilty of not, I, Paul said, I'm not guilty of failing to tell anyone about Jesus. Wow. Whew, I got a long way to go. And I believe you do too. But that's the goal. Verse 24, Paul, knowing what he was facing, he said, Every city, there, I'm being, there's testimony, and we'll see more of it. When you get to Jerusalem, Paul, they're going to arrest you. They're going to persecute you. All these bad things are going to happen. You could die. And what does he say in verse 24? None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. I'm not moved by my personal comfort, my personal safety. I'm not even moved by staying alive 
What moves me, the end of the verse, testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul was not moved by selfish desires. He was moved by his desire to get the gospel to everyone. So what is driving your life? Why do you do what you do? Why? Why do you work where you work? Well, I got to make a living, pay the mortgage, buy food, whatever. Why do you work there? Why? Why do you live where you live? You live in this area. Why? Some of you are going to say, I don't know. I always lived here. I just—I don't know how I ended up at this job. I just—I just got this job. It's a good job, pays the bills. Why are you there? God put you there. Unless you're in rebellion against Him, if God puts you there, He put you there for a reason. What is the motive of your life? Are you just floating along? I don't know where I'm heading. I'm just—I'm just going. I, you know, I just live. I grew up. I got married. I had kids. Raised my kids the best I can. Put them through school and you know they're gone now. Empty nester. I'm just I'm going to retire and just I'm going to die. That's it. That's life. There's more to life than that. What is your driving purpose? What's behind your life? What is your purpose in life? God has a plan for you. Brother Drust didn't grow up saying, one day I'm going to go to Albania, and from there I'm going to reach all over the world. Praise God for what he's doing. God had a plan. I never dreamed I'd be a pastor growing up. What are you going to be when you grow up pastor? No. I grew up Catholic. I would have said priest, and I wouldn't have said that. So <laughs> no thought of that. Be a fireman, policeman. No, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a doctor because I love science. Do you have a purpose? You do. Do you know what it is? What is God's plan for your life? You know, tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it's now been 60 years ago. He, he's best known, I guess, for the speech that he gave, I Have a Dream. It was in November 1963. It was a long time ago. I was alive, but I don't remember it. I was uh, not even three years old yet when he gave that speech. It's, if you've never read that, read the speech. It's incredible. Great speech. One of the greatest speeches in the history of our nation. He talked about having a dream, and a dream of one day his children would not be judged by the color of their skin, but of the content of their character. Whew. Isn't it sad that that was nothing but a dream? We're, we're not all the way there, but we're a whole lot closer than we were in his lifetime. Martin Luther King Jr. was a man of principle. He was a principled man. His life was governed by principle. People who are driven by principle do the greatest good on earth. The people who do the most evil in this world, I'm, I'm talking outside of church even, the people who do the most evil are driven by money, greed, ego, power, 
immorality. That's the driving force, let's be honest, that's the driving force behind most of our politicians, our sports heroes, our music stars, actors and actresses. In other words, all the people that kids in our country look up to. The overwhelming majority, that's what they're driven by. They're not driven by principles. Look, a scientist with principles would say, you know what, evolution's wrong and I'm not going with it and if you fire me, you fire me. That's principle. And there are a few, thank God for them. We are to be people of principles. Now, where do you get your principles? If you get them from the word of God, you'll be doing well. Stand on this book And let the word of God govern your life. Stop floating through life and just going to work because that's what you do. Maybe not tomorrow, it's a holiday, but on Tuesday you just go back to work. And this day you do this, and that day you do that. Be a man or a woman of principle. And stand for the word of God. Listen, when you stand on principle, it will cost you. It cost Martin Luther King Jr. his life. They killed him for what he stood for. We need to stand up and know it won't be popular. It won't be. It doesn't matter. The driving force of our life needs to be the word of God. The driving force of Paul's life was to get the gospel to everybody. Let that drive you. Let that move you. You want to make a difference in this world for good? Be driven by the word of God, by the furtherance of the kingdom of God. That's what he called us to do. You want to make a difference? Listen, we were just invited to go to Ukraine in July. I want to go to Albania so bad. I really do. That's the very first missions trip I ever went on was to Albania. And I've been wanting to go back for almost 30 years, 20, it'll be 29 years this year. I want to get there. One of these days, I'm coming to see you. Well, I might join you in Ukraine. That sounds awesome. Go. We're taking a church trip to Peru in August. Go. Make a difference. Why do you do what you do? Make sure there's a purpose behind your life, a reason a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Not just another day, another dollar. These days it's another day, another 50 cents. Inflation's eating up the dollar. Make a difference. We're not here long. Life is short. It goes fast. Make a difference. Stand for God. Do something in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Paul. What a man of God driven driven Uh, we see so many athletes and music stars they're driven but with the wrong goal oh god teach us to have the right goal the right purpose to set you before us and to head toward you always always going toward you faithful to get the gospel wherever we go any place we go we ought to leave a mark for your glory. God bless our invitation. If there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ, oh God, burden their hearts and bring them to Jesus today. 
We love you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. If you're not sure if you're saved, oh, you won't get to heaven without Jesus. Won't you come? I don't want to embarrass you, but I want you to come down and see one of these men and we'll open the Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know that you have eternal life. We have ladies ready to help ladies. If you want to come and pray, if you say, you know what, I've just been floating. My life has little or no direction. I'm just floating along. Come and get kneel down at an old-fashioned altar and say, God, from this day forward, I want to have purpose. I know you have a plan for me, and I want to see it fulfilled for your glory. Don't, I, you can do that in your seat, but don't. It'll mean more to you, and you'll be more serious about it if you'll come here and kneel down and say, God, I want what you want for my life. I want to be used by you, God. Use me for your glory. If you know this is where God wants you to have your church membership, come see Pastor Chuck right here in the middle. If you have any other need, come. We want to help you. Come now as we sing. I will serve you. I will serve thee because I love thee. You have given life to me. I was nothing before you found me. You have given life to me. to be dismissed in prayer brother drust will be out at his table greet him talk to him ask him eight thousand questions he knows he knows a lot he can answer them all hey what a blessing it's been to have him here make sure you greet him and love on him and uh, uh we won't do anything we can to help that ministry it's wonderful pastor chuck if you're interested in going to that uh, trip to peru you need to start saving your money you're gonna have to get uh cover your airfare this year and you need to get your passport in the works. So uh, you don't want to be stressing about it coming at the end. But pray about it. Say, Lord, do you want me to go? It's going to be an amazing trip. We'd love to have each and every one of us come. It'd be fun. It's going to be great. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for this message. Lord, it was a good one. Father, make us soul winners. Why are we here? Matthew 5, 16, let our light so shine. Let your light so shine before men that they may see our good works. And glorify our Father which is in heaven. Lord, we need to make you famous. Help us to do that this week. We love you so much. And in advance, I'm going to thank you for all the snow you're going to give us Tuesday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.